From points across California, you're listening to the Disneyland edition of the Diz Unplugged. This is the Diz Unplugged Disneyland edition, episode 507, for the week of October 11, 2015. The Diz Unplugged Disneyland Edition is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, helping you plan the perfect Disneyland vacation. Visit them on the web at www.dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hello everyone and welcome to the show. I am your host Tom Bell. I'm joined by my good friends Marja Mata-Willie, Michael Bowling, and Luella Loriola. We're down a couple of podcasters. I called in a sub. <laughs> All right, coming up on Tuesday, we ha- I have a review of the Courtyard by Marriott, the one by the Convention Center. And we continue our walk down Catella Avenue talking about lodging, restaurants, and shopping along the way. But right now, it's time for this week's news and roundtable rapid fire on this edition of the Diz Unplugged. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hello. Hey there. Hi there. Hello there. Welcome back, Luella. Oh, thank you for having me. Hey, thank you for hopping on at the very last minute. We appreciate you, you, your extra voice. Oh, no problem. Anytime. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's see. What's in housekeeping? Um, Now, you had, you went to, did you go to two two Halloween parties or just one? Oh, me? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I just went to one. I went. Uh, But you went to the meetup. That's right. You went to the meet before. Yeah, I went to the Disney Parks blog meetup, which occurred before the actual party began. Okay, cool. Now we we talked with with um, Jason last week about the Halloween party, but is it what you, you know you've experienced before? Is there was there any significant differences this year? No, I think the big difference was they did paint the night, uh, which okay, I right. yeah, which I think is wonderful because yeah. sometimes yeah. this people this is their only chance, uh, right. and but I think um, it's been consistently great each year and the decorations and the candy just keeps getting better and better. I went to the Halloween party way like more than 10 years ago. Even they used to have it at DCA. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And uh, I remember can- the candy not being as good back then. So, But then it's a lot more expensive than... <laughs> right, right. Than yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think... if you, I don't know if you guys recall, but it was $10 before uh, per person. Um, but... They have they provide so much more now the parades and the fireworks as right. than than what they did back, you know, yeah. a decade ago. So Luella, did, did you go then during the and I think it was what ninety five ninety six? Did you go when they had that brief um, Halloween party at Disneyland? I did, I did. Okay. Uh, that was really exciting and it was new and it was empty. <laughs> I remember. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it was so empty that they closed off half the park the following year. Yeah, so, I remember. Um, it was a new concept. They didn't have all the decorations that they had now. They definitely didn't have all the other extras. But it was a lot of fun to be at the park in costume. I think that was my biggest excitement. I got to wear a costume, and they don't usually let adults wear a costume. Right. And I remember that they had cast members inside Pirates of the Caribbean dressed as the pirates and uh, jumping out at people and stuff like that. <laughs> nice. Oh, yeah. I, you know the part where they uh, sing with the donkey and the dog? The three pirates with the right. hey, there were four pirates, and I was like, I didn't know there were four pirates up there. And then the guy started talking to us, and I screamed. So it was cool. Yeah, it, that was that was <laughs> nice. a good trial run. Um, it's come a long way since then, uh, but it's still very good. What was your favorite candy? 
Oh, gosh. They give a lot of chocolate. Um, but I, they gave away for annual pass holders a bag uh, as well as a Rice Krispie Treat, which was really good. Nice. What kind of, what were they advertising on the bag this year? It just says Disneyland 60. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. cool. Last year it was, it was, what was it? It was Big Hero 6 or something, wasn't it? Yeah, I yeah. think it was yeah. Big Hero 6. This time it's a nice, simple sling backpack, and it said Disneyland 60. Nice. Oh, wow. It's fancy. Hey. <laughs> and, um, and it's not frozen. And it's nice. <laughs> right, nice. 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 Uh, speaking of parades, um, I forgot to mention this last weekend. I, when I was there for the the uh, media event on that Friday, I got to go backstage behind um, the – in town square behind, like, uh, Lincoln, behind the, behind the Opera House. Mm-hmm. And the sensational parade was parked back there. Nice. So, you know, we had talked initially when they were going to cut down to one sensational parade that, you know, we assumed they would run the parade and then at night they would move it back to the barn. But apparently they aren't. They're just leaving it back in town square and then running it back the next afternoon. Okay. So one day it'll go one direction. The next day it goes the next direction. Apparently, yes. Okay. So that that's not really all that important, and because you don't know, well, unless you're there multiple days, you don't know which direction it's going to be. But yeah, that's kind of kind of weird that they're not, and and maybe that could be why. And, well, and I'm hoping uh, you know they don't do that for long because that's not really good to leave the floats out like yeah, that. Yeah, ex- right, exposed to the elements like that, right? Yeah. It can be like end up being like the. Spectrum Magic Floats or something. <laughs> Sorry, Disney World. Um, all right. Uh, let's see. What else in housekeeping? Panera is coming along nicely. I, I see that it's going to be opening in November, the new Panera restaurant. And I also read that they will be delivering to the Fairfield Inn. So if you want your, if you're staying at the Fairfield Inn and want your salad or your sandwich from Panera, you can call and have it delivered, which is kind of cool. Oh, it's nice. Yeah. Um, anybody else have housekeeping? I've got one for Not Scary Farm. Go for it. Uh, we were talking about, you know, um, all the different Halloween events. And yeah. Travel Zoo, for anybody who d- isn't on Travel Zoo, you can join it. They're selling the tickets at 40% off. So instead of paying the 69 or above, uh, your tickets mm-hmm. will be $34. So wow, nice. nice savings to go. And yeah. I really... They they talk about Not Scary Farm versus Universal Studios, but I love Not Scary Farm. I think they do a really good job there. So, mm-hmm. awesome. Hey, Michael, how's that spinoff going? Oh, connecting with Walt. Yes, yeah, that. it's <laughs> it's doing very well. Craig and I okay, cool. are enjoying the Connecting with Walt podcast. We already have two episodes out. We are focusing. Do you have two listeners? What two episodes? Episodes. Yeah. Sorry, we. Yeah. Thinking about you know the the background on Walt and his concepts for for um, expanding into the East Coast, and this week uh, we're going to talk about it's we're going to talk about um, you know Walt finally making a decision on where was he going to go, what was he going to do about about his plans for this park and we're going to look at how was how did he select central florida and um how did he make the announcement 
which mm. was not his own decision to make. So anyway, so it should be good. Lots of I, I, lots of good stories. So um, when yeah. you say it wasn't his own decision to make, will we hear about that on the podcast? Yes. Yeah. All right. And I, also you'll I'm hear curious. the story about how they had to secretly buy the land before the price went up. So there was a lot of there's there's a lot of skullduggery involved. <laughs> <laughs> so so I hope you'll listen to me and Craig on connecting with Walt this Friday. Excellent. Uh, any other housekeeping? Anything exciting in the parks this weekend, Luella? Other than it was blazing hot. No, they still have the decorations, but it was it was very very hot. Today was the chalk walk. That okay, occurred. How was that? Um, I didn't participate. I participated in the past, but um, okay. didn't do it this time. But there was a lot of the walkers that continued into the park, which is probably that why it was very that. crowded yeah. and really hot. But I know that they, I had seen that they raised about $1.5 million, So that's wonderful oh, news. That's yeah. Awesome. yeah it's local, right? It's local yeah. for the Children's Hospital of Orange County, and yeah. it's grown and grown and grown. I, I did it years ago, and, and it wasn't that big, but it was very exciting to walk through the park, and still that's a very the real exciting part. But I think that played into why the park was so crowded today. Right, exactly. Awesome. Well, if no other rapid fire, sorry, housekeeping, I uh, just want to mention that if you want to get a hold of us, you can email us at dlpodcast at wdwinfo.com. And, of course, you'll find links to our shows and anything we talk about at www.disunplug.com. Uh, it is time for the news. I think Michael has our first story. Yeah, and this is we're sort of getting off to a sad start because another another Disney legend has passed away and he was not that old. And we're right. talking about Kevin Corcoran who passed away uh, this past week. And he, I think was only like 66 years old. Right. Yes. And Kevin Corcoran, we pro- if you're thinking Kevin Corcoran, Kevin Corcoran, probably, you know, him best under the name Moochie. Moochie. And Moochie. He was in, all kinds of uh, films for Disney from Old Yeller, you know, all the way up through the Shaggy Dog series. And, you know, he was born in Santa Monica in 1949. And he was actually part of a, a, an acting family. His parents and most of his siblings were in um, in acting or in Hollywood in some respect and in fact that i don't know if anybody would remember this tv show it was with john forthsight the bachelor father i don't know if anybody remember. i remember it because it was in syndication when i was little well I, yeah i remember the name yeah and well his uh kevin corcoran's older sister was the niece in the film and so um you know kevin's family was originally from boston but uh, his father got rheumatic fever and they had to move to oh. california for the better climate and his father got a job at MGM and they needed they would need children for extras and films so he just used his children and so Kevin Corcoran said that he just sort of fell into acting due to his family's reputation so he started it too in commercials for Kellogg's and Buick and then he was um uncredited in the 
Glenn Miller's story with Jimmy Stewart and June Allison. He was he was like really tiny little guy. He was in Untamed with Tyrone Power, Susan Hayward, and Agnes Moorhead, who he would later um, appear with in Pollyanna. And he was in Violent um, Saturday with Victor Mature, Lee Marvin, and Ernest Borgnine. So he was with some um, pretty pretty you know big name actors at the time. So. Um, and then, then he was hired to appear in Mickey Mouse Club, and he and in the further in the serial, the further adventures of Spin and Marty, and then it was sort of from there that he took off. The thing is, is that it was in the um, in some in Adventure in Dairyland, which was also as part of a serial. For anything can happen day, it was called Fun with the Camera, um, is where he got noticed. And he was then put into Adventure in Dairyland, which was hurriedly written to replace uh, another canceled serial. And so they were, it was filmed on location in Madison, Wisconsin, and they used actors from Hollywood like um, Annette Funicello. So this was, this was, um, they were the McCandless family and they were visiting a farm. And they and Kevin Corcoran played the youngest family member, Montgomery McCandless, and his nickname was Moochie. And and it was supposed to be a rambunctious character. And the problem is, is that it was this character type that he sort of got cast in over and over again. People loved him in that role, and so. Every every like film for Disney that he was in, they basically wrote it with um, that Moochie character in mind. So that's why he basically played the same character. He was he was playing the character he was called to play. As he got older, it, it um, you know it, it, people it started to wear on people a little. So. What he was, there is that famous film of Walt surrounded, or a famous photo of Walt surrounded by the Mouseketeers, and Tommy Kurt is there as well, but he's not, he's just in plain old clothes because he just happened to walk in and Walt called him over. That's the story behind that. Oh, and, I yeah. And, and what that really is is a clip from the Mickey Mouse Club, it's in the third season, and so, um. What Kevin was going to do is he was he was um, going to be uh, taking a dance lesson on the show from Lonnie Burr. So they had him dress in the Mouseketeer outfit, a costume. And, of course, on his shirt, it did not say Kevin. It said Moochie. So the character finally overwhelmed the actor. But he was never a Mouseketeer. He was just in that costume um, for that for that one show. So anyway, but I got a, a rare opportunity to actually meet him back in 2012 because he and Ron Miller did a presentation where they talked about their career together. And Ron Miller, of course, is the um, husband of the late Diane Disney Miller. And Ron Miller, when he one of his first jobs at the studio was to to be like an associate producer and a lot of his job was sort of wrangling some of the younger actors and so um 
And so he was associate producer. He was a director and all of that. And Old Yeller was his um, second film that he ever worked on. And that's how he met um, Kevin Corcoran. Um, in talking about Old Yeller, Kevin Corcoran said that Tommy Kirk and he were um, like brothers. And he, he just, they were really close. And they remained close. Um in 1959, he played in Moochie, the Little League. Ron Miller was the assistant director. And the funny thing about that story is they needed a shot of a home run. And so six people tried and failed. And so they finally called in Ron and said, can you hit? The, can you try? So it showed up in the film as a close-up of the bat hitting the ball. You don't see Ron doing it. Um, Kevin remembered that when he was in Toby Tyler, he went to circus school for six months in order to prepare wow. for the film. Yeah, and the interesting thing is Pollyanna, um, when he was filming that, um, you might remember Adolf Menju's house in that film was at Stag's Leap Vineyards. This was right across from Silverado Vineyards, which was the vineyard that Ron and Diane Disney Miller um, took over. And he was also in Swiss Robinson in 1960, Babes mm. in Toyland and, uh, in 1961, and Bon Voyage in 1962, which is sort of a quirky little film. Um, it's probably the only Disney film where the main actor gets has an interaction with a prostitute. Rent, wow. Rent it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Fred McMurray and Jane Wyman are in that one. It was produced by Ron Miller. And... Um, Anyway, so and the the funny story on that one is is that on the first day of the set, Kevin said he was with the French crew, and there was a scene outside the Louvre with um French uh, Fred McMurray, and so he was taking a break for lunch at a cafe, and he thought he was drinking Kool Aid. <laughs> well, he wasn't. He was drinking uh -oh. wine, and he was drunk. And he couldn't recite his lines. And so Ron Miller and Bill Walsh had to end filming for the day. And then he did a sequel to, Sav to Old Yeller that was called Savage Sam. He said the funny thing about the dog that played Old Yeller was the dog couldn't swim. So, um, wow. so they, they had to film him getting in and out of water, but he couldn't swim in the water. And... Um, he played in uh, Tiger Walks in 1964, which was Sabu, who was a very well-known actor at the time. That was his last film. And Ron Miller was the assistant producer. And then his very last film, actually, he was a young man by this time. It was called Blue. And um, he, it was, it was a, by, with an Italian director. And all Kevin said about that was it was a dreadful picture. And so now it was the late 1960s, and, and Kevin was still in acting, but he said all the consummate filmmakers were retiring, and as they and they were pass, and they and or they passed on, and new ones didn't have a good background in film, and so they would no longer provide background on the characters he was reading for, and they didn't have knowledge of the story, uh, none of the background story um, to give direction. So he finally quit acting. And he went over to Cal Arts. He became a theater arts major, and he worked, um, you know, as a producer and director. He did come back to Disney in his career. Uh, he worked on Super Dad, um, you know, Pete's Dragon, Islands at the Top of the World. Um, he also worked on a few other uh, 
um, ones like um, he worked on Scarecrow and Mrs. King. He uh, on um, Murder She Wrote, Quantum Leap, but um, a lot and a lot of those were you know a lot of those were for Disney affiliates. So he still stayed in that Disney family. Uh, he was married to his wife Laura for forty five years, and in two thousand and six he became a Disney legend. Um, for Old Yeller, Rotten Tomatoes gave that a hundred percent rating, and what? which is that's practically unheard of. And it was um, based on a book by Fred Gibson, and he co-wrote the screenplay. And um, the way Walt Disney found out about the book was it was serialized in um, Collier's magazine, and Bill Anderson brought it to Walt's attention. And other studios wanted it, and so Disney paid more than they normally would for a book. And as filming was going on, Bill Anderson, the director, went to Ron and and um said that he has a concern um and they both went to Walt and Bill Anderson said that he was getting a lot of pressure to not shoot the dog and Walt said it's such an emotional and poignant moment i don't want to lose that in the film so oh spoiler alert by the way sorry <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, just, just a note about Old Yeller. Mm-hmm. That was my dad saw that movie when he went overseas. He was in the army, and so he, they were in New York. And back in those days, they took ships. You know, they didn't take the they didn't fly in the planes. And, the Titanic. And he wasn't that. Okay, sorry. <laughs> but um, he said he saw Old Yeller and he cried because I oh, read yeah. the book and I probably I probably sobbed for about half an hour. And then my dad told me that he had cried when he saw that movie. You know, grown man. And in the army, so they Walt Disney, I think, made a good decision. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I that was one of my favorite films when I was a boy, yeah. and I read the book after seeing the film. And a lot of Disney films did that for me. When I saw, I saw like Old Yeller's Swiss Family Robinson, um, Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. You know, all, all of those, all in the same summer. And uh, because a, a movie theater in our neighborhood would do this, you know, every week they would have a double feature for like 50 cents on Wednesdays. And it was almost always Disney films. So they were just running all the Disney classics. And that got me to read all the books. Wow. And, and, and that started my love for literature. And uh, so, um, it, so it was. It was Disney films that started my love for literature and, and teaching and stuff like that. So Old Yeller came out at Christmas 1957 and it grossed $8 million. And that's the film that convinced Walt to focus on live action films. And the dog Spike, the dog that couldn't swim, had his own dressing room to keep him cool so that he wouldn't pant when he was on camera. And um, so they had to film everything in cool weather. And they... You know, we talked uh, a week or two ago at MouseCon coming up in November that Tommy Kirk's going to be there. And I I've, I've have met him a couple of times. And they talked about how he did a great job in the picture and that how he and Dorothy McGuire carried the um, story on his shoulders. And so they pointed out that Tommy always played the odd man out in all his roles. So if you, when you watch Old Yeller, notice he's the only one in the picture that doesn't like the dog. Right. So, um, anyway, and and then and then the rest, a lot of the presentation talked about all the individual adult actors on there, and and it was um, 
and they all of them were terrific. I mean, he loved all of them. And um, I'm just sort of trying to run through here. And oh, he had a really poignant story about he and Walt. He he talked about Kevin said that he and Walt had a great relationship, and that Walt Disney was like a second father to him. Um, he said that when he and Walt would talk, it would be mostly about Walt's um, next project because Walt was such a great storyteller. And when Walt talked about his project, his eyes would light up. Mm. And then he remembered to how Spencer Tracy, who kids, he, he was a great actor at one time, Google him, <laughs> and, and Walt were friends. And his son, John, uh, was born with a hearing problem. And so Spencer's wife started the John Tracy Institute. And so every year they'd put on a show to benefit the Institute and dinner was served. And nobody knew this, but Walt would volunteer and he would bust all the tables um, at this show. And and would just like schmooze with everybody. And Walt just loved doing this. And um, people did want to know whatever happened to Spike. He did go on to star in another Disney film, A Dog of Flanders, which is a really good film. And um, Kevin played Arliss in Old Yeller. And he, Kevin referred to him, Arliss, as a wild hooligan. And that's how he played him. It's how Arliss was written in the books. And... Um, he also, Kevin talked about how Disney took care of all the young people well. They treated everyone with great respect. And then, and then this is the, the real moving story. Kevin's father died when they were in the middle of filming The Shaggy Dog. And Kevin was nine years old. And he was a basket case. And Walt heard about it and told the directors to give him a break. And they... They completely changed the schedule around that was at great expense to the studios. Um, but they did this just to give Kevin a break away from filming. So, um, so once a year, his contract would come up for renewal. And, um, and every time it did, he, he would, he was told to go see Walt during recess. And Walt would always mm. ask, um, wanted to make sure that he was okay. And that he was um, happy at the studio. So, wow. uh, and so, um, so sadly, another another person that worked directly with Walt passed away um, on October sixteenth, twenty fifteen, um, from cancer. And that's Kevin Corcoran. So, you know, sometime this week, Old Yeller, another one of those films, and and enjoy Kevin's antics. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Michael. You're welcome. All right, another news story not quite as touching. Um, this is about Anthony Gillet. I'm going to pronounce it that way. It's G-I-L-E-T, but with a little accent over the E. So we'll say Gillet. Was thrilled to visit Disneyland in Anaheim for the annual Gay Days event, but revealed on his website that he almost got ejected from the park over what he wore. Gillet wrote Monday that he was chased down by a park employee who told him to change his change his shorts or risk expulsion. I was certainly wearing more than Ariel, the gay website manager wrote in a post on his site describing well, that's the experience. true. She doesn't wear pants. <laughs> no. Those, and those clamshells are kind of small. Um, Gillet was at the park for unofficial gay days where thousands of gay and lesbian patrons visit the park and identify themselves by wearing a red t-shirt or football jersey. Now, I've never seen where they wear football jerseys, but um, 
he said he didn't have a red t-shirt that he liked, so he wore an oversized red and white jersey with the number 13, which was kind of long and covered up, covered below where his shorts were. Uh, within a few, quote, within a few minutes of being inside the park, a member of staff chased us down before asking, do you have anything on under that top? <laughs> so I told her yes and showed her the shorts I had on underneath, to which she replied, okay, because it gives the impression that you have nothing on underneath. Do you have a change of outfit? Because if not, security may remove you from the park. She continued, it's, it's just that it's a family park. Gillet, who is based in London, wrote that he didn't want any drama or to kick, get kicked out of Disneyland after paying $99 to enter, so he put on a pair of longer shorts that he had in his bag. However, he questioned the whole experience, wondering if he was asked to change because he didn't conform to gender stereotypes. What, what exactly, and I'm quoting again, what exactly was the issue? Was it the fact that there was so much leg on show? Because there were countless girls walking around in booty shorts. How is it any different from a girl in those, or even a dress? Why was she asking women if they, what was she asking women if they had on anything under their short skirts too? Um, I understand that my outfit was a bit unusual and apparently not conservative enough for Disney, but I'm struggling to see the issue. I wasn't wearing an expensive slogan and I had shorts on underneath that were going that weren't going to expose anything when I sat down. What was the line that had been crossed? Um when you look at him though, it looks like he's just wearing it look it, it looks like what women looks, what, what we wear when we're we wear a long t shirt to bed. Yes. Doesn't that's look, exactly what it looks like. Yeah. yeah. And and he's way too old to pull off that <laughs> get up. Well and me. you know, and the the cast member that he called staff um, didn't tell him he had to change. She just said security might remove you from the park. She was just kind of giving him a nice warning. Um, but yeah, I. It's all about being appropriate for the day. Yeah. For the, for for the situation, and and yeah, there's there's no reason he should have been kicked out, but still. If he it's had a time even, and a place. if he had even had shorts where you could just see them below the t-shirt, I mm -hmm. think that would have, you know, passed. I mean, people might have looked a little askance at him as he walked by, but you know, when these girls are walking by that he's talking about with the short shorts, you can see the shorts. He right. looks like he's wearing his little skivvies underneath that that shirt because you can't see it. Mm -hmm. And you know, of course, TMZ has picked up the story, and I think this—I got this from like the Advocate. Um, but it's—it's—I think he's at this point just trying to send people to his website. Yeah. But but I I do agree with his point that there are some women that push the limits in what oh, they're yeah. wearing or not wearing, and yeah. you know. Disney should be, should also be pointing out to those women that maybe um you, you know what they're wearing if it's like what he's wearing then they should certainly be pointing it out to the women as well and and it's not like he was wearing a skimpy um tank top with the little stripes That's true. so in a lot of ways he was more covered than some women I've seen in the park well i think those women should be escorted out too i don't think that Disneyland is a place to, it's not for beach wear, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah. And I think this, this particular cast member, I, I'm not sure what her role was, 
but it sh- it may not have been her job to make that decision. Maybe her no, role yeah. was saving saving face role. Yeah, maybe I don't know, but if she said that security may say something, it's like, well, if you're not security, maybe you shouldn't be addressing the situation. Yeah, I, d- I wonder who in the park is responsible for monitoring clothing. Who's the clothing police there? Right. I don't know. Is it security or is it? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it should be. Front? I mean, maybe at the yeah, gate. Right. Maybe maybe they're the ones that say when the when the guest walks in and they can make a judgment there. But who knows? Seems to me it should be somebody on a higher pay scale than those poor turnstile people. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. But maybe a guest came up to that cast member. Who knows? Could be. Uh, yeah, could, could be. be. All right, that is the news. Time for rapid fire. Let's start with let's start with Luella. Okay. Well, I um, I think uh, when I've spoken in the past, I'm a big uh, participant of the Run Disney events, and uh, the Avengers Superheroes Half Marathon is coming up uh, November 12th through the 14th, and or the 12th to the 15th, and the half marathon is actually not sold out yet, um, wow. surprisingly. And, you know, maybe maybe Disney has been raising the, <laughs> the, <laughs> the, um, the cost of the races uh, a little bit high. It um, Also, if you didn't know, last year, the half marathon, the Avengers Superheroes half marathon, the day that it took place was a very bad Santa Ana winds day. Oh. And the winds were... So bad that porta potties were blown over, as, oh. as the um, the mile markers they were all uh, like tossed over. It was probably one of the worst days to have a race. But you can't control the weather. Right. But if you are still interested in wanting to participate, it's open. It's two hundred thirty dollars for the half marathon, which will take place on November fifteen. But it's a lot of fun. It's you know this is one of the new. Uh, the the new things Disney purchased is the uh, you know Marvel, so they're doing a pretty good job at uh, taking advantage of this uh, franchise. And uh, if you're interested in going to the expo, I, I know Mary Jo, you went to the Disneyland Half Expo. It is open to anyone to attend, and it takes place on November 12th through the 14th. Um, and I should also mention they have a pasta in the park that takes place at all these Run Disney events, and that's open for anyone to attend. Uh, and so that is on November 13th. It takes place in the Big Thunder Ranch Jamboree inside Disneyland, mm-hmm. and there are different uh prices if you it comes you can either purchase the uh buffet uh with a twilight ticket or without uh so um that's open as well so you can just go to the rundisney.com website and click on that and you know um, participate in either the uh the, the half marathon or the pass in the park so um that's something coming up hey luella yes Very cool Danny in the chat room is asking, do you have to run or can you walk? And since he asked, I'm sure other people want to know too. Well, the half marathon, they do tell you they want you to be able to maintain a pace of about a 16-minute mile. So if you walk up to like a 16-minute mile, uh, because they do close the course and they called the 
them the balloon ladies at the end, and if they pass you, then a bus will pick you up. However, when you sign up for these races, you put your estimated time that you will complete the race. And if you've done a, it's supposed to be a race you've done in the past. So you can put, you know, you can do a local race and put your time in. And that time that you submit will determine what corral you start at. So I've known people who have been all the way at corral A or B and have walked the whole thing because they stop and take pictures with characters. But if you're near the end, like at corral G, you will probably really need to maintain a 16-minute mile because they release the corrals in increments. So corral A, B, etc. will sometimes be almost half hour to 45 minutes before the last corral starts. So... uh, uh, they would want you the whole. Uh, it does say maintain a 16-minute mile, but some people okay. can walk that. Yeah. So, um, and then I, I do want to mention. Let's say you'd like to kind of participate in Run Disney, but maybe the running is not for you. Um, another thing I do with Run Disney is I volunteer, and uh, the volunteer opportunities for the Star Wars half, which is coming in, up in January 14th through the 17th, they're still open. So uh, you can click on, go into the Run Disney and go to the volunteer site and sign up for the Star Wars half to volunteer. And if you volunteer for two uh, shifts, you get a free Disneyland ticket. So, oh, nice. Yeah, and then you get to, you feel good. Every, every, all the runners love the volunteers. You get a t-shirt. And it's kind of a new way to just kind of get your feet wet with Run Disney. And I know people that have volunteered and then they, they slowly transition, maybe do the 5K, the 10K, and then eventually progress to the half. Isn't so. there a sense of camaraderie among everybody when they're volunteering and with the runners? Oh, yeah, yeah. There's different shifts to volunteer. Uh, a lot of people like to do the medals where they give the medals, um, especially the kids' races. I think that's, that one fills up fast. Those aren't available anymore. Um, but because uh, everybody loves the volunteers, when all the runners, when I know when I run, I always thank all the volunteers. You know, thank you for get, you know, coming out and volunteering. So uh, there's different ways you can participate in, in Run Disney, and we're lucky to have four different opportunities now in the Disneyland area before we only had two. Um, but when they purchased Star Wars and then they pur- they the, when Star Wars became a part of Disney and Avengers and Marvels became a part of Disney, they put the races um, on the West Coast, which is great. Very cool. All right. Thank you, ma'am. I will go next. So you've heard of Gay Days. You've heard of Dapper Day. Have you heard of Villains Day? No. Ooh, tell the, us. The Circle of Villains is proud to present their first ever unofficial theme day at Disneyland. Villains Day stock around the park. Come join in the twisted fun and show off your best villain attire as they stroll along Main Street in all their evil glory. Fasten on your circle of villains' buttons and badges, tighten your hook, polish your apple, straighten your horn, secure your wings as you dive into Disney to strut along with the common Disney goers and show off your villainous flair. I'm going as a pantless football player. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've heard that them fighting words in some. Villains Day stuck around the park is an unofficial dress-up day, and will be held in both parks October 25th, 2015. Um, now that is a day that there is a um, Mickey's Halloween party. So you can you can if you don't have tickets to my Halloween party, 
uh, Villains Day events staff members will also be over in California Adventure. So you can continue the fun there. This might be interesting, actually. I think this is a great idea. Because people have been at, clamoring for years for, you know, a villain's theme park right. and all that. I think this is great. So, October 25th, which is actually a Sunday, so that's kind of weird. But uh, Villain's Day stock around the park. All right, Major. Well, since we're talking about October and Halloween and all that kind of stuff, I wanted to talk about a little bit about uh, Downtown Disney and some of the things that they have on there. Uh, as When we think of Halloween, what flavor do we think of? Pumpkin. Pumpkin. So they're saying that pumpkin is one of the predominant tastes at the Downtown Disney, and they have them in different places. The You know, the California Churro Cart, which isn't one affiliated with the Disneyland Churros inside, but still good. They have pumpkin churros. So that's a good one to try. They have pumpkin macaroons from Kayla's Cakes. They have a pumpkin spice latte at Starbucks, which I think a lot of us already know about. And they have a pumpkin smoothie made with almond milk, pumpkin, bananas, and a hint of cinnamon and nutmeg at the Jamba Juice. And they also have, this is kind of cool, they have karaoke, which includes costume and karaoke contests, which will be held at the House of Blues on Saturday, October 31st. So that's something that you might want to do if you're already there at the parks. Little Mismatched, which is those socks where you can get uh, different things, has a little um, offer, buy three, get one free deal, which um, is on the limited edition Halloween-themed socks. And um, we already talked about the gingerbread house at the Jazz Kitchen. Just a reminder that it's going to be on October 24th from noon to 2 p.m. And if you would like to join, tickets are $48.00. An additional ticket, $48 for two people, so $24 a person. And you get one gingerbread house between the two of you. And then additional seat, if you want to have, like, a mother with two kids or something, would be $12 a piece. And if you want to do two gingerbread houses, then, of course, that's going to be $48. Luella, have you done that with your kids? I have, yeah. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, my nephew's... They loved it, except they, they ate theirs because they said their mother let, never let them eat gingerbread houses. <laughs> so they're like, Auntie Joe, can we eat our gingerbread house? I'm thinking after all that work, I'm like, go ahead. And they had so I much know. fun. It's like, so, oh, you know, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I know, and I wanted to show it to their mom. So I was like, let me take a picture first, guys. All right, take a picture, smile. Okay, well, in addition to all the Halloween events that are happening at Downtown Disney, they're also celebrating Oktoberfest in a couple of places. At the Uva Bar, they have an Oktoberfest-inspired menu through October 31st. And the Crossroads at the House of Blues also have a special Oktoberfest celebration this Saturday, October 10th. Um, which has a special... You mean yesterday? Yeah. <laughs> wait, 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 they already passed <laughs> it, so never mind. It was really good, I hear. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> But for next year, if you want to do something at House of Blues for Oktoberfest, keep in mind that they do do something there. And we'll probably bring it up in September next year so that you guys can be prepared. Um, and I just want to, I have a second rapid fire that I'll kind of, I know. I'm Well, I'm, I'm speaking for Nancy. So this is Nancy's rapid fire. <laughs> yes. Because I'm sure Luella's covering for Tony. So, um. <laughs> they have a limited edition Jungle Cruise t-shirt of you know they have this series oh, yeah, going yeah, on yeah, with yeah, the Mickey and Minnie 
So they have Mickey and Minnie Jungle Cruise t-shirts, and they'll only be selling them from um, through this week. So if you want to get it, go over to um, the DisneyStore.com slash park events. So it's www.disneystore.com slash park events. And you could have them mailed out to you. They're really cute. I, I Right away, I thought of Matt and his... Uh, Jungle Cruise Expedition. And then they have these new dolls um, that have come out. And the newest dolls are Carrie and Nellie. And Carrie, um, these are attraction dolls. If you guys ha- remember that they have these series coming out. So they kind of almost look kind of like Bratz dolls with the big I, eyes. I was just thinking that. This is Disney's answer to those dolls. Yeah. I, at least they don't have the, the all the makeup like the Bratz dolls. And they don't look mean. You know, they, they, don't look like, they don't look like hoochie mamas. Exactly, because this is Disney. <laughs> and and they do have full outfits. It's not just a t-shirt and bare legs, so you don't have to worry about that either. <laughs> so they have the newest one. This is um, Nelly is dressed as a Jungle Cruise-inspired um, outfit with a little cute little tiger cat with her. And then Carrie is inspired by the King Arthur carousel. So she's really cute. I don't think that she has any Julie Andrews stamped on any part of her. So don't lift up her skirts and look for it. Just letting you know. (laughs) And then they have new Vinylmation. This is the Haunted Mansion Series 2 that has come out. And they sell these at D Street in downtown Disney. And they're going to be released on October 30th. Um, They say that the original series uh, was released in 2012. So I think those... People probably look like the Vinylmations with the mummy wrap on it. But they have some pretty cool ones. They'll have Mickey ears on them. Um, and that's it for Downtown Disney. Very cool. Thank you, Mary Jo. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael, Steve in the chat room wants to know, what if Donald was wearing a football jersey? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Poor thing. They'd probably toss him out, too. <laughs> He's got little pants on. <laughs> All right. Your Did- turn, Michael. Well, one of, one of the nice things about growing up when I was a boy was every seven years, Disney re-released its classic animated films mm-hmm. for the big screen. And a few weeks ago, I talked about I went to a D23 event where we saw Aladdin on the big screen. And I just thought, how nice. I, I wish we could see these more often. Well, guess what, Mouseketeers? You can, because... One of Disney's greatest films is going to have a limited release in November to celebrate its 75th anniversary. Walt Disney's Fantasia will be coming back to theaters. So yes, baby boomers, get out your doobies and alligator clips oh because Fantasia's back. And this, of course, features Mickey in my favorite role of his sorcerer mickey this was groundbreaking not only did walt disney create you know the the fantasy sound which was basically the precursor to surround sound this was this it was surrealist um animation it was the first time that stories animated stories at, in a full-length film we're told without any dialogue i mean this is an amazing film it really is so it's playing at theaters um beginning november 8th but it's only for a limited time it's on different days around the country i don't know if they have one print and they're just shipping it all around <laughs> or what because up here in sacramento it seems to be november 15th and 18th is it, all around our area is when it's 
playing. Um, so you can go to the website, which is Fantasia75.com. And what you do is you put in your address and then they let you know uh, what theaters in your area are going to be showing it and what the dates are. And then, and then you, and then the problem though is, is that I've been noticing they've been loading more theaters in over the last couple of days in our area. But when you click on tickets, the tickets aren't quite yet available, at least in our area. So I don't know if it's because we're too far out or what. So just keep checking this site. We'll have a link to it in our show notes. And to make it even better, there is a trailer on the site for Fantasia, which is great to watch. Also, before this screening, they're going to have an exclusive introduction and performance by the Philadelphia Orchestra, led by, I'm sure, a very gifted conductor whose name you can try to read when you go onto the website. So, um, because there's no way I'm trying to pronounce it. So anyway, so go to Fantasia75.com and revel in Walt Disney's glorious classic Fantasia. Yeah, it's weird because like in my area, it's on October 28th and then skips to the 31st first, then skips to the 4th, then skips to the 7th and 8th. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Yeah. I don't don't quite know what's going on. Yeah, but it's the same dates in Bakersfield, so they must have more than one print. Yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right, thank you, Michael. Um, Somebody in the chat room was talking about, you know, you had mentioned Aladdin. Uh, Brad Kane and Leah Salonga, plus some of the other cast members were on Good Morning America the other day. I saw that on Facebook, yeah. Yeah, they they sang A Whole New World Mm -hmm. live with Alan Menken playing piano, which, yeah, it's like... Oh How my can you beat that? Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And Brad Kane was at our performance singing it right. live. It was great. But only only Good Morning America can get Leah Zalonga. I know. <laughs> well, she's in New York anyway right now with that um that new production that's uh that George Decay. Oh yeah. Together. Alleg- Allegiance. Mm-hmm. Allegiant. So anyway. All right. Anything else, folks? No? Good? Okay. We're done. Yay. Okay. Um, again, thank you to our friends listening live on Mixler. We didn't give them a plug earlier. If you want to listen live, we rec- we broadcast live every Sunday evening at 8 p.m. Pacific. Uh, head to Mixler.com and my XLR and look for us or find us on Facebook. The link will be there and also in our show notes page. That is going to do it for this segment of the Diz Unplugged. Be sure to catch all of our other Disneyland shows this week. And of course, we'll be back again with you next week. Until then, remember, Disneyland is always more magical when it's shared. Thanks for listening.